Okie dokie, finally. So, um, we finally have video. So, it was exactly a year ago that I got an email stating that the, the podcast was selected as part of a few channels that will be able to upload video episodes. So, obviously, um, being excited as I was, I ran back home, wrote an episode, recorded an episode, uploaded an episode, just to get another email to state that it was all a mistake and they apologized for for this mistake and that video will remain unavailable. So now exactly a year ago, um, hopefully this time around it will stick. So I'll definitely try and upload some video episodes um, in the coming future. But um, now it's kind of an old story and I think many of you might know the story, but it's kind of relevant to today's episode. Um, before I begin, I do tend to stutter quite a lot. Um, so I do sometimes write down talking points and thoughts for each episode, but it's just because my memory is fucking horrible. So um, it's kind of just, you know, I, I guess I'm in, in the middle of between being a very smart monkey and a kind of a forgetful, dumb human. Um, so it's kind of similar to, you know, it's kind of running on four kilobytes of RAM, kind of the same amount that the Apollo guidance computer ran on, which took Apollo 11 to the moon, which I might be slightly off with the figures, but you you kind of get the idea. It's kind of impressive memory, but maybe for like 1970s standard, you know. Um, it's it's like those, you, you there's this meme that you sometimes see with two wolves kind of looking at each other, uh, a black uh, wolf that kind of represents the dark side and, you know, the unknown in within a person, and then the white wolf that's the kind of, represents the purity or the innocence or whatever so i've got kind of these two wolves kind of screaming uh, screaming and howling at each other and not making any fucking sense so kind of that's kind of where my memory is at anyway so um i was having coffee today and uh, across from the river uh, there's this massive salt factory which i've mentioned before in the last episode so it kind of sits right next to the bank of the river and it has all these massive salt pans uh, all over the flats so it's basically massive squares uh, maybe a meter and a meter maybe a meter and a half deep not even that maybe a meter and then it's all scattered along the river's edge so then basically what happens is uh, they use water pumps to then either fill water from the river into the salt pans or you know water from a, a water table down below or with a full moon some of these uh, pans that sits on the edge then gets filled with, you know, when the spring high tide kind of moves over them and, you know, fill them up. And this is obviously all salt water or seawater. Uh, in the wintertime, um, with the rain that comes down river, it brings a lot of fresh water and obviously a lot of salt and mud and shit, but essentially fresh water. And then what tends to happen is the fresh water and the salt water kind of mixes, um, you know, and that kind of creates, um, you know, environment for, for ocean um life to thrive so um just for interest sake if you had to take one liter of fresh water in a bottle and you had to weigh it it'll be basically one kilo so it's quite uh, even one liter equals one kilo as we with salt water or seawater it's kind of slightly heavier so one kilo uh, one liter of uh, seawater will roughly weigh around 1.025 kilos um you know and, but that's also it, it can vary due to you know temperature and, and um, pressure um, but that's also why, you know, if you had to uh, go to Clifton, Fourth Beach, and you have to compare that to the Red Sea, the Red Sea is around four times saltier than Clifton, Fourth Beach. And if you had to go to the Dead Sea, which sits just under almost half a kilometer under sea level, it's probably about seven to eight times saltier than Clifton, Fourth Beach. Uh, hence, you know, the reason why you can actually float in the Dead Sea. 
and it's also quite interesting being at the, the Dead Sea because it, you're half a kilometer further away from the sun. Although in the summertime it's anything from 45 to 50 degrees during the daytime, it's quite interesting how long it takes you to actually really burn compared to you know spending a few hours in Cape Town on the beach. Although you know it's uh, the temperature is quite different because it's a very dry kind of a um, um, very low humidity at the Dead Sea compared to you know Cape Town. But anyway, so. Um, Here's a tip. I actually I had the opportunity to visit the Dead Sea a few times over the uh, over the years, and it's obviously quite an awesome day to to be able to spend the day floating and scrubbing your body with the salt. And you know, if you want the true Dead Sea experience, go to one of those little shops the next to the the Dead Sea, and you buy these. It's almost like a packet of mud, uh, like a body scrub. Um, so you'll see all the Russian tourists kind of covering themselves in in mud and then you know standing like statues facing the sun. Anyway, so the first time I walked into the water, um, the first thing you notice is obviously the clarity. The water is so beautiful, so clear, and you can see right through the water. And then you know at the bottom you see all these salt deposits all around you. Um, and then as you walk in, anything between your kind of knee and your hip, I would say, you just start to like pop up and float. So it's kind of weird because. It's still so shallow, and the bottom is so close to you. And the first time I was there, for some reason, I, I saw this as a challenge. And uh, I don't know to whom I wanted to prove it, but I wanted to touch the bottom. So if, regardless of its effortless attempt, you just keep me afloat. Anyway, so I dove down, and it was single-handedly one of the dumbest things I've ever done. I remember for like 20, 25 minutes, my nose and my throat and eyes, everything was, it wasn't even on fire. It was like melting fucking lava. And it was probably one of the most single unpleasant pains I've ever experienced for being a complete dumbass. Um, anyway, so back to the salt, uh, back to the river. The the water in these um, salt pans basically then evaporates and it leaves behind the salt contents, uh, which then gets collected and processed. So basically turning it into table salt, which, you know, if you take any type of table salt, it's all essentially sea salt because all the salt comes from either prehistoric uh, or evaporated seas. Even the pink salt or the Himalayan salts, it's the same story. It's all dried seabeds that were submerged by you know lava uh, eruptions. And that's also why that they found um, ammonites uh, in the Himalayans, in the mountains, which is basically like fossilized um, seashells, you know, because it all used to be a um, prehistoric sea. So um, the thing is, when it comes to seawater and salt and um, fresh water, is there's one thing that kind of fucks up, fucks us over, and that is the fact that you know a lot of our water, fresh water, is sitting in the glaciers, which is essentially frozen water. So each time I go out to do a four by four trail with my jeep, and I flick it into low range, you know, and use all the 150 donkeys it has, and impress my friends, but how fast I can drive up a sand hill the warmer the earth gets. So the quicker these glaciers are melting, essentially, you know, being all my fault. But the problem is, is where does all this fresh water go? It goes into the salty ocean. So um, that's uh, that's a way that we tend to lose a lot of the fresh water that's kind of stuck on earth. So now that this fresh water mixes in with this brackish water of the oceans, um, like I've mentioned earlier in the river as well, you know, when, when you get the salt water and the fresh water mixing, because the salt water is heavier, the fresh water tends to hang around the top as where the salt water is kind of sitting at the bottom. But because of ocean circulations moving from kind of top to bottom, it creates the stability um, that, you know, caters for the ocean life. So if you had more salt water than fresh water or that balance of uh, fresh water and salt water is off, um, you'll have a lot of ocean life dying. So 
but for us at least you know in that in that circumstance it's it's goodbye freshwater um so with freshwater being the commodity it is it'll obviously be something that humans will wage war over in the in the future um i think that's anyway been proven already but uh, with water being so scarce in the kalahari desert which is a, a desert in southern africa uh, the, the African bushmen had to kind of create ways to to find new sources of it. So um, although they personally might not know where to find the water, often the local anim- um, animals do. So when I was in Samoa, um, you know, I used to observe birds in flight. Um, so I would sit, you know, in the hammock and just watch all these different birds kind of come and go. And I kind of, I would say, like you know, when they fly high and straight, it could be it's not a, it's not proven, but it could be that they are heading towards water. And then when they come back and they fly from tree to tree in short bursts or distances, it could perhaps be that they are uh, returning from water with stomachs full. Um, so it might give you a general idea of direction towards a water source. Being kind of in the desert, though, the Kalahari bushmen had to work completely differently. So. What they do is uh, the, the bushman digs a hole and drops a block of salt into it, and then they wait. Um, and they wait for the baboons, because baboons love salt. And with time, one of these uh, baboons will come by and try to grab the block of salt uh, from the hole. So he, he will stick his hand into the hole, grab the salt, but the salt will actually make his hand bigger, trapping his hand in the hole. So to escape the baboon, all he has to do is basically let go of the salt, uh, but obviously they they don't do that. So they get stuck until the bushman comes around, grabs them, puts them in the cage. And then once they're in the cage, the bushman gives them all the salt they want. So the salt then makes the baboon thirsty. Uh, then the bushman releases the baboon, who will immediately rush to water to quench their thirst. And, you know, the bushman just follows the baboon and Bob Jaunty. Um, so kind of besides being an inventive way to find water, normally with, uh, when people hear this technique for the first time, they'll always wonder why the baboon just can't drop the salt. You know, why can't it let go when it realized it was stuck and that it's not going to get what it wants? Um, and the reason for that is just, you know, it's in our nature, um, not only in baboon's nature, but especially in human nature, even more so in human nature. Um, so, you know, we tend to see something we want and we'll hold on to it despite the cost to ourselves. You know, ideas, opinions, relationships, wealth, status, prestige. There's just so many things that we hold on to, even though it potentially makes us miserable or even sick. Um, now, some of you have, may, have, may have seen this jacked up dude with this big bushy beard all over Instagram who walks around shirtless and claims to only eat raw liver. Uh, suck marrow from raw bones and drink just drink a dumb amount of fucking animal blood and it's all in the name of staying jacked and being healthy for those who don't know this guy's name it's none other than the dick skin liver king so um i actually fucking hate to even mention this guy because i think he's a complete fucking wank but he's important to the story for today so um to give you a backstory for months now this guy's been you know showing up at everywhere especially at events um, he was even, you know, uh, uh, seen curling dumbbells shirtless at the gates of the Buckingham Palace after the Queen passed away. That's how, in, that's how this guy is trying to get, you know, uh, attention. So I'm sure, you know, um, you're starting to get the picture of, you know, the type of individual he is. But he believed that you should aim your arsehole towards the sun and get it sun bleached along with other tenants that he called the nine ancestral tenants. Now, that's not the, really the point. The entire time he rose to fame, he claimed that he was adamant, that he was natural, and he never took, never will take any form of steroid, and that all of this muscle that he has came from all, uh, eating raw duck dicks and drinking cat piss. So 
Last week, there was his emails that was leaked between him and a doctor or his doctor uh, that proved that he was in enough source to make Jimmy's bry sauce blush. So, which is not really a revelation. You know, it's, it was obvious, at least to me and many others, but it was also so kind of uh, fucking crazy how many people believed that this guy was natural, you know, and it's something so stupid and fucking unimportant, but it just comes to show you. Uh, many people actually went on to eat like a fucking hyena scavenging through carcasses on the African plains, and still, you know, that's not really the point of the story. So, long story short, uh, shortly after being caught for being a complete fucking scam, he came out with this apology video, which, you know, you can expect to be as cringe as his whole campaign to become famous. So, he claimed that he never expected this type of exposure, yet he had a fucking paid film crew follow him around and even stated that, uh, you know, in the emails that he wanted to reach a, um, like a million followers by whatever specific date. So anyway, so he then goes on to apologize and claim that all of this was raised to awareness to the thousands out there who killed themselves because of personal issues such as depression or anxiety. Um, so he wants to uplift those like, uh, you know, he wants to uplift those who feel like they want to kill themselves by lying about how he reached that, he, what he quote, his highest and most dominant form. So you can already start to understand listening to this guy is similar to what introvert experienced during small talk. It's like fucking doing a 10 minute plank over a box of scorpions while holding back diarrhea. Um, so anyway, so he misled people who are already in a difficult place in life to believe that if you chew all day on fucking raw bones and tan your naught, you will actually reach your top potential, you know, which, um, but he fails to mention that he's neck deep in, in steroids. And that's the real reason why he looks like a Spartan. So, uh, what you know? What does that all do to the people who actually uh, believed in him? You know, they fail. They feel even harder, and they're already in a place where they are struggling. So it just creates even more depression and more anxiety. So he's basically driving these people into the ground and doing the exact fucking opposite of what he think he is doing. Now, I'm going to go through it uh, 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 via another angle. After school, um, I studied hospitality, and I spent years working in hotels and guest houses and clubs and bars. And um, I got quite good at listening to people, understanding human needs and behavior, because it came from a servant's, a servant's perspective. You know, I was serving clients or customers uh, in these different industries. Uh, so trying to please those around uh, you because, you know, they are the customer, I'm the servant. Um, after that, I went on to work as a diving instructor where I had, you know, I had to read body language underwater to understand when people is comfortable, uncomfortable, or perhaps about to do something erratic or dangerous so that I can respond before it happens. Now, most of this done, most of this was done, you know, reading body language and understanding how people react to different situations. Um, and during these 10,000 dives that I had as instructor, I had hundreds and hundreds of students, and if, and I then on top of that, thousands of divers who I cared for in and out of the water. Um, but after that, obviously, I went on to open the little coffee shop, and it was over, uh, just after about ten thousand coffees um, that I eventually sold the shop. But again, dealing with thousands of customers who walked through the fucking doors and who I served. So since the age of eighteen. I've been hyper aware of my surroundings and how I come across and how to deal with certain personalities and traditions and religions and cultures. And I never really considered myself kind of an expert on anything as there's always kind of something to learn from, you know, everything. But I would say that perhaps I have dealt with more clients, customers and students within a compressed time frame that, you know, most people ever will. So, which is why... Uh, for anyone who's who watched Survivor Season 7 and Season 9, which I uh, participated in, 
you would remember how adamant I was about getting certain individuals out of the game. Not because I had a personal issue with them, but rather because I spent the last 16 years reading people. You know, I spent thousands and thousands of hours just watching people walk, talk, move, observe, and communicate. And the funny thing was both these seasons, I was made fun of because I was obsessed with these fucking people uh, that I wanted to get voted out. And I was told that I had an ego and I'm delusional and I'm wrong and I'm a fucking dickhead. And most people will just look at me, shake their head and kind of turn away. Yet in both seasons, in the end, I was fucking right. I was 100% fucking right with my reading on these individuals. And it's only after the dust settled and all the millions was fucking given away to the very people that I was advocating to get voted out, that people came around and told me, you know, you were right, which doesn't fucking help me after the fact. Neither does it help anyone else. Um, that's also why, you know, when I saw this guy on Instagram, it was just it was just from the get-go, I realized it was just complete fucking horse shit. So my point is, this dude made millions because he managed to make people believe in bullshit, you know. And in the process, I'm sure some of these people are actually worse off than they were before he came around. And that is the problem that I have with this fucking dude. And that's the only thing. You know, he misled so many to enrich himself. And these believers that fucking bought his products and, you know, kind of defended him are the very fucking people who were the baboons who took hold of the block assault and refused to let go and were the ones, you know, who got caught lacking. So I've met so many people similar to this guy um, in my daily life. Many times you see these people hang around in groups where they always make sure that they are the smartest person in the room. So these fucking idiots tend to, you know, tend to have people listen when they talk and believe in everything in which what in what they say. And with that, it actually builds these liver king people up with even more confidence to believe whatever they, uh, wherever they go, people, you know, people believe that they are the truth. The problem is, is when you come across people like me, and I know there's many, many people out there like me, you know, we see through bullshit like this. Before you even said a word, this, the bullshit fucking radiates from you. And instead of arguing with an idiot like this, because you will never win an argument with people like this, people like me will just smile and walk away. The problem with that is it actually makes these individuals believe even more in their own ways, building them up even more. You know, so it's like a Ferris wheel. It just fucking keeps on going and these people never get put into, uh, in their place. Now, the salt was never there for you to enjoy. It was rather for those who placed the salt there a way to benefit from your stupidity. And you can see where I'm going with this. Every day I observe people, you know, who holds on to the same opinion they had fucking 10 years ago. You know, they've been holding onto this block of salt for 10 years and refuse to let it go, regardless if it's fucking toxic to them or it's, you know, even um, um, deteriorating their fucking life and their happiness. F even on something like an opinion, I tend to reevaluate, you know, uh, quite often and to make, in make, to ensure that it's still valid. And, you know, if it's not, I fucking find a proper or new opinion that is based on, on, on facts. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is we should just question a little bit more and accept a little bit less, you know, accept less on face value and focus more on that detail because the fact is that the detail, the devil does hide in the detail and we've seen it with this dumb shit. But I also believe that beauty uh, and the truth also re reside somewhere in the detail. So for us to be able to see the beauty, we'll, we need to question the block of salt in front of us. And that's it. So again, thank you for listening. If you want to help the podcast, make sure to just leave a review either on Spotify or on Apple Podcast. And I will see you with the next episode. Cheers.